Yeah, I think that's good good advice. And speaking of uh, springing for something more expensive, I think I'm going to go shop internet providers real quick. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I got a I got a concert A chanter. Cause, Congratulations. Because that's the point of my life that I've reached at this point. That's what I need. And so this is a B flat read that I popped in there to see if I could get, and, and it does play at concert A's. Here's the thing. As I pulled that read out of its box, I thought to myself, wait, when did I buy this? I think right. it's been like a year and a half since I bought it and I haven't used it until this week. Now mm -hmm. it was sealed in a plastic baggie and then inside of a box, but it was not in like a humidor or anything like that. Right. And that got me a little nervous because then I looked over at my box of normal reads and I thought to myself, I've got like, I've got like 11 or 12 untouched, like unplayed reads in there that I also bought a long time ago. And I thought to myself, I sure hope I haven't wasted all of my money on these reads. What do you think? Am I in danger? Uh, I'm po possibly. I'm not really an yeah. expert in this regard. I mean, I, I think I'm just as bad as the next guy of either not having any reads when I need them uh, yeah. or having a bunch of reads and not using them when I have them. So, uh, yeah, it would be interesting to get some real read makers take on this. Mm. Uh, but I think, yeah, reads are surprisingly resilient if you don't do anything crazy with them. I've seen people keep their reads in the fridge, apparently. You yeah, know, like I did me. that in high school. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm Somebody not sure. Told me, someone I'm told not me sure that about when that. my read was dying, if I wrapped it in a moist paper towel and put it in the fridge overnight, it would be better in the morning. I did that a lot when I was in high school. I don't know if it yeah. ever had any effect. <laughs> yeah, I'm not quite so sure about that. I mean, so the uh, Chanter read, it's kind of, uh, if you look at it under a microscope, it's got all sorts of vertical shoots in it. You might sort of be able to imagine what that is because the reed itself comes from a giant cane plant. And then the purpose of that, you know, the sort of biological function of that cane plant is to be able to supply water from the bottom of it all the way up. So it's got these long shoots in it. And when, and by the way, I believe the reed is cut so that the shoots are vertical. In a drone yeah, I think read, you're right. Yeah. In a drone read and in a chanter read. So you can picture, and by the way, you don't even have to imagine it. I think if you go on the internet, you'll find pictures of oboe reads and chanter, bagpipe mm. chanter reads and stuff under a microscope. And it's pretty cool. It's like all these little shoots. So I like to think about moisture working its way in the, into those hmm. and how like, so if you leave your reads out and they get totally dried out, it may cause the shape of the cane to warp. But I also think it, it may not cause it to significantly warp. And then if you let moisture soak its way back into the reed in a natural way, that's not weird. Like, I think wrapping it in a paper towel is weird. Mm. I'm not quite sure about that. But you'll see pipers occasionally lick reeds or touch their tongue to the tip of a reed, especially if that reed is sort of, if you're suspicious that it's dried out a little bit, introducing just a little bit of moisture into that reed and just sort of waiting for it, letting the moisture soak all the way down in there. What you might find is that reed is perfectly fine and it's going to sound great, even though it's sat for a while. You might also not find that though. So, so I don't hmm. really know. I don't really know My fingers for sure. Are crossed. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I'm probably not the only one that like I I've set up for, for tax purposes, right? I've got my, like my bagpiping as like a side gig. Yes. So then it's like, you know, come tax time, if I'm going to need something like a new kilt 
or some reads or something like that for next year, it's in my interest to purchase them so that it's a business expense before the next tax cycle, right? And so that's where I've ended up in this situation where it's like, well, I know I'm going to need new reads next year. As long as I'm ordering anyway, I'll save on shipping. I'll get a dozen reads. And now I'm like, maybe that was not the wisest way to do it. So my fingers are crossed that you're right. They're like, these, they're going to be fine and they'll recover if I lick them. The other thing, you know, I think that one of the hangups we have about Chanter reads is that they're so expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Except for, except for also, by the way, no, they're totally not. And I actually think the <laughs> economic model, I think the economic model that Pipers use when it comes to reads is like really ironic and sick and twisted. No, not sick. <laughs> it's not actually sick, but it's really ironic and twisted. So see if you can follow me here. Yeah. Drone reads are expensive, mm -hmm. right? Like you get your synthetic drone reads, that's like a hundred bucks. Okay. Like let's, I mean, it's probably more than that now, but let's yeah, use a hundred bucks for, for sure. Yeah. Let's use a hundred bucks for ease of math, right? Mm -hmm. But then let me ask you this. When you buy a synthetic set of drone reads, how long is that set of reads going to last? I, ha I had a set last for nearly 20 years once. Sure. Yep. And then I'm sure we've all had sets that Probably have lasted less have, long. But than yeah. That. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure we've all had sets that haven't lasted that long. But let's just say on average, let's say on average, a set of synthetic drone reads, that's lasting you five years. Mm -hmm. Okay. On average. So what's the cost per year of a set of drone reads? Mm. Yeah. So then it's what? 20, 20 bucks, bucks a year? Yeah. 20 bucks a year. So that's actually sounds about the same as a, a pipe channel read. But now let's go over to the pipe channel reads. Okay. Mm. So with a pipe channel read, let's say a pipe channel read costs you $20. It's actually probably more than that now. But let's say it costs you $20. Okay. When you order a channel read, what are the odds that read is going to work for you? And channel reads are very good now, but yeah, even so, say, these days, pretty good odds actually. Pretty it good used to be as good as it is now. But. but like, let's say, like it used to probably be one in a dozen would be your read, okay? But like, let's be super generous now and just say fifty percent odds. Like one in two reads is maybe gonna work for you. Like that's super generous, okay? But already we've doubled the effective price of that read. So you're spending $20 on that read, but there's only a 50% chance that's really going to work well for you. So now that read is $40. Okay. Now let me ask you the next question. How long is a Chanter read going to last? Of course, if we're talking time, it depends on how much you're playing, how much you Maybe. pinch it, st stuff like that. Yeah. And I mean, let's just be super generous with this. It's not going to be five years though, like your synthetic mm. drone reads, is it? Yeah, certainly not. And it's probably not even going to be two years. Some players might not even last a year, but let's just say, yeah. let's give that read a lifespan of one year. That's super mm. generous. But now what is your, and by the way, maybe it's just six months. Yeah. I feel that's getting six closer months. to my, per, my personal experience it would be more like two, two reads a year probably. So, so now the effective price of a read before, remember we were up to $40 because there's a 50% chance it's going to work. And then it has a six month lifespan. Let's use that. So what is the actual effective yearly cost per Chanter read in our, given our current economic modeling? If I've done the math right, we're talking 80 bucks for a Chanter read. That's right. And 20 for a drone read. But if you have to buy a new set of drone reads, the knee-jerk reaction is, oh, God, I don't want to do that. That's 100 bucks. And then meanwhile, with the Chanter read, we have the knee-jerk reaction. Man, it's so expensive per read, but it's way more expensive than you think, right? <laughs> Uh, as a matter of fact, if you could guarantee me that if you could guarantee me that a read would work for me and then it would last a full year, 
I'd be willing to pay 80 bucks for that read if you think about mm. it, because it, yeah. that's actually the way that it works out. So anyway, going back to the original point, Jim is ordering 12 reads at a time, which by the way, it depends on the maker, you know, like I feel like some read makers have amazing reads, but the hit rate is low, right? Mm. So, so it will take 12, it, it will take a box of 12 to find that one that's perfect. And by the way, like in some cases, it's totally worth it because the read would be that great. And then you have other makers where maybe the read isn't quite so amazing, but the hit rate is very high, right? Mm. So, and I won't name any names, but you know, you'll, you know, if you go to that maker and you order 12 reads, you know, all 12 of them are going to be good. Yeah. Maybe yeah, not great, seem... but good. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. And, and, and it does occur to me too, that like for different applications, that's actually exactly what you want. Exactly. You know, like beginners. Care of a, yeah. you got a, or you got a band to take care of, or you got students coming through. Like I, I do feel yeah. very pleased with the situation where like, I can remember a time when I knew I'd have to throw some reads away when I ordered some, cause like they just wouldn't be good for anything. And I feel like it's been a while since it was like that. Usually I get a, a box of reads and I know I'm going to find my favorites for soloing and stuff like that. Right. But I'm also going to have some great reads that I can kind of maybe play in, maybe get them ready. And these will be for my students to get started on. You know, it's going to be just great. Like no, no wasted read in that way. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it does not pay to be an idealist, right? When it comes to chanter reads, in a lot of cases, you got to make sure the chanter reads like, okay. Uh, and then you just play it. And by the way, this, man, it seems to me like this works all the way up to the highest levels. You mm. know, like a lot of times the top soloists will have several different chanters that they have. And I seem to remember, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I seem to remember Jack Lee discussing that, how he's got the read that he loves, but he doesn't want to play it out. So he's going to spend quite a lot of time practicing on reads that aren't, are, are therefore by definition, not the optimal read for him. Uh, yeah. But he's just playing that so that when he goes back to the other read, it won't it won't be played out, and he he knows it's there and he knows it's ready. That just seems kind of wild and crazy. Uh, but there you go. So so yeah, chanter reads the actual effective cost of a chanter read is quite high, and it's one of those things. I encourage all pipers to create a budget, right? Where in their mind they're expecting to spend X amount of dollars on different items. For example, if you play a sheepskin bag, right? Average lifespan of a sheep is two years, which means that in my piggy bank, in my bagpipe piggy bank, I need half the price. I need to squirrel away half the price of a sheepskin bag every year in order yeah. to keep that habit going. And of course, I don't really know the price of a sheepskin bag off the top of my head, but if it's $400, that means $200 a year is for my pipe bag alone. Actually, probably more because you're probably going to need two cans of seasoning too. So we might as well just round up to 500, you know, for the effective like cost of a sheepskin bag throughout its life. And then you buy it by two. So you got 250 right there. Now, drone reads, fascinatingly, don't have to be as high. One of the things I recommend for people is to buy a new set of drone reads once a year whether you need them or not, because then you'll sort of accumulate drone reads as you go. And so if drone reads sort of peter out on you, you'll have backups to go to. And, it, you know, it, you don't need to get too exacting on this kind of thing. However, it is good to just get kind of a realistic picture of what these different things are going to cost. Yeah. And by mm -hmm. the way, you don't have to play sheep. I mean, 
One of the interesting things about synthetic is that it radically lowers the effective yearly budget, doesn't it? It's like, ooh, mm. the synthetic bag isn't just half the price of a sheepskin, right? It's also going to last twice as long, probably on average. Yeah, so, or more. You know, mm. so it's, yeah, so it's really a far more effective option. It's one of the reasons we recommend Ganaway bags for beginners and intermediates because it's a lot like a sheep, you know, maybe not quite as superior, but it's pretty darn great. And we can also expect it to last a lot longer and it costs less than a sheep. So there you go. Like the effective cost of that is much lower. It's also much harder to ruin <laughs> yeah. uh, a Ganaway bag than a sheep. So that has a lot of value. Uh, that has a lot of value if you're a person who uh, sort of believes in a, a hide bag. Yeah. Well, that's my Ganaway bag right there that I've been playing for almost 20 years. Uh, 20 years that I've been playing it now. So. Yeah. And then meanwhile, so then you have your budget, right? And then you could say, okay, per year, this is what I'm planning to spend. And then you can just divide that by 12 and there you go. That's kind of like what the monthly price of maintaining your, your bagpipe is going to be, right? It ish, you know, and then, but then you have an idea. I think a lot of people go into it with no idea at all. And then when an expenditure comes up, they're like, yikes, that's so oh, no. expensive. Yeah. And that's the sort of thing that you want to avoid because mm, you need good equipment in order to be able to, you know, progress well. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, not all of us want, not everybody wants to play gigs or teach lessons and stuff like that. So I'm not saying that everybody should in any way, but I, like I have told people before, like when friends or family have asked how my bagpiping side gig is going, I have told them like, you know, really what it is, is a very expensive hobby that I'm trying to get to almost pay for itself. <laughs> that's yeah. really what it comes down to. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, that's a great way. That's a great way to contribute to that. And there you go. I mean, it's like, it would be fun to maybe do the math at some point, but, you know, it's probably, let's say it's $50 a month or something to be a piper minimum. Mm. So there you go. If you book a, a gig for 150 bucks every quarter, then you're roughly at break even. That's yep. one way of looking at it. Well, yeah. I mean, you know. But then you got to like, what's the travel costs and the time costs and everything? You could get into that, but uh, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. You know, that's what makes something like the SFU pipe band or, <laughs> and then Vic Police back in the day, it really makes you think about it. It's like, what is the actual real cost of bringing a pipe band to Glasgow for the Worlds? It's astronomically more for overseas bands than it is for Scottish bands. And by the way, the same is true for soloists. You know, the actual real cost is astronomically high. And even, that's just talking about money. We could also talk about time, right? So, you know, for a local player to play at the Worlds, uh, it costs you, you know, a couple, well, I mean, a lot of people really aren't at their normal jobs that time of year anyway, because it's sort of like vacation season. But yeah, it, it costs you like several days off work maybe throughout the course of a season, but then, you know, the further you are away, I mean, you're looking at a minimum of two weeks off in order to uh, t uh, travel with the band over. So there's like the time costs as well. So the real costs of things are really kind of interesting when it comes to piping. What were we even talking about? We were talking about reeds, Jim. Yeah, but also like I, I'm beginning to feel like maybe this is interesting, but also something I shouldn't think about. <laughs> like don't think too much about it. <laughs> well, I think I, I recommend thinking a at least a minimum amount about yeah. it because otherwise you know otherwise you're going to be in trouble 
Yeah, so you got to right. think about it enough, but maybe don't think about it so much that it causes an existential crisis because then it's like, well, what about the opportunity cost? And it's not just money right. opportunity cost. What about like what I could be doing with like my my fam familial relationships during this time instead and all kinds of stuff, right? It's like anything. It's the same. You know, it's like when people buy a laptop and they instantly gravitate to the cheapest laptop and it's Not like, sure. well, hang on a second here. Like by gravitating to the cheapest laptop, like, you know, we got to think about what's the real cost of that laptop or how much time are you going to spend wanting to do work, but not being able to because you bought the cheap one. Right. And yeah. then if you actually think about it, like for me, I always buy a good MacBook because I want to be, when I want to work, I want to work. And I don't want to be farting around with my computer. And so that's the reason I do that. So Apple, it might seem like Apple is the most expensive, but they're actually by far the cheapest in my experience. If nothing else, the longevity, you're not going to replace it every couple of years or less, a lot longer. I heard well, it, And the I, software works. Yeah. yeah. I heard a guy say once that, and I thought it was very clever that he said, I want to do work on my computer. I don't want to work on my computer. Yes, exactly. Oh, that's right. Well, well done. Same thing goes for bagpiping stuff though. So, you know, you, every time an expenditure pops up, you don't want to be instantly gravitating towards the cheapest thing. You should be gravitating towards the best thing. Now, I don't mean the best thing as like the fanciest or anything like that. What we're talking about is best cost benefit ratio. Like somewhere in there is the actual best cost benefit ratio for you to get the most out of your piping. And again, it all depends on what level you're at, right? And stuff like that. For example, sheepskin is not the best choice for everyone because the cost to benefit ratio isn't quite there. The cost is too high for the benefit that you would get out of it. Whereas something like a Ganaway could be great for that. But mm -hmm. if it's like, oh no, my bag poked a hole in it. Okay, I need a new bag. And then you just automatically sort all the stuff by price and just pick the cheapest thing. You know, that's not necessarily the best thing for you. It's like buying the cheap laptop, or it could be, it might be. Yeah, that's the thing. In some situations, it might be actually the best option, but it's worth thinking about is what we're driving at yeah. here, right? It's worth thinking about it, yeah. Yes, exactly. And it's worth sort of consulting experienced pipers as well and being like, hey, are these drone reads going to be good? Like, they're mm. cheap, but are, are they going to work for me? And then, you know, usually there's a reason when things are the lowest price on the shelf. All right, shall we leave it there? Yeah, I think that's good, good advice. And speaking of springing for something more expensive, I think I'm going to go shop internet providers real quick. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Hey, everybody. Andrew Douglas here from the Piper's Dojo. And I just want to say thanks so much for listening to today's iteration of the podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard here today, it would be super helpful to us and to a lot of bagpipers out there trying to find us. If you could give us a top-notch review on whatever platform you're using to listen to this podcast, particularly Apple, iTunes, and Spotify, and things like that, your review would be really, really helpful. So if you have a moment today, definitely go over there and help us out. Other than that, until we meet again on the podcast or somewhere else, thanks again for listening. <laughs>